Hey, it's Tony from the Untitled Beatles podcast. So my co-host TJ hosts a daily afternoon program on Twitch, uh, the channel Chicago For Real. And he was nice enough to have me on as a guest a couple of days ago, the date being December 8th. So we got together with our Beatle LPs and our books, compact discs even, and kind of processed the 40th anniversary of John Lennon's passing, or murder, if you want to be just real about it. So there's going to be some tears, but also plenty of laughs and a lot of references to things you can't see because it's a visual medium. Um, But we thought it would be fun to just put out as a bonus podcast. We hope you like it. Uh, It'll be like listening to a TV show. Maybe you used to do that. Maybe you used to hold up a little microphone to the speaker on your television set and record all the times David Letterman threw a blue card through the window and a window smashing sound effect came on, played by Howard Vinitsky. Or maybe you were less deranged. Irregardless. Mm -hmm. Here's TJ and I on PM Chicago for real. Untitled Beatles podcast. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin from NBC News. Former Beatle John Lennon is dead. Lennon died in a hospital shortly after being shot outside his New York apartment tonight. A suspect is in custody, but has not been identified. Again, John Lennon is dead tonight of gunshot wounds at the age of 40. We now return to The Tonight Show.
So 40 years ago today in New York City, John Lennon was at a recording studio. This album had come out fairly recently. This is Double Fantasy. My ring light's blinding it a bit. Double Fantasy was John Lennon's quote-unquote comeback album. Uh, he'd retired for five years. In 75, he wanted to become a house a housewife, as he called it, a house husband, and just raise his newborn son, Sean. And uh, finally, around 79, into early 80, John Lennon was inspired again, and thus was born Double Fantasy, an album that alternated songs with John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And the album was already released. There was critical acclaim. There were some people who were curious about how John would kind of make his way into his 40s because he just turned 40 and he hadn't been part of the music business since 75. Well, the album that John was working on and recording, the follow-up released posthumously is this, Milk and Honey, released eventually in 1984. And as great of an album as Double Fantasy was, as wonderful of a comeback as John Lennon was making, you can make a case that as the wheels had been greased on his comeback, what was yet to come from John Lennon, nobody told me. Grow old with me. I'm stepping out. These John Lennon songs that were coming after the retirement was firmly in the rearview mirror showed a man whose creative muse was far from over and who had so much more to give to the world. This is always a sad day for Beatles fans. I've been in New York in the past on December 8th and commemorated John Lennon's murder steps from his home at Strawberry Fields across the street in Central Park West. I've stood where the Dakota is and cried. It's my kind of cathartic spot. And this is this is a day when I was six years old. Actually, it was December 9th when I found out the following morning where I learned about death. I learned about murder. I learned about the destruction of guns. This is, as a six-and-a-half-year-old weird Beatle kid, um, this is where I learned a lot. And the lessons and love in John's music and his story are as important to me as the way he left this earth. Because the way he left this earth, and we saw with the Channel 2 coverage I dug up from uh, the week after John Lennon died, the 9th, the 10th, when CBS Local here, Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson were reporting on this, problem is guns. John Lennon doesn't die. If a maniac, you know, approaches him with a knife or a baseball bat, maybe he's severely injured. Maybe you kill somebody like that. But the shots to John Lennon, I believe there were seven, um, was all I needed to know about guns in America. And it's not gotten any better. So I hold John Lennon's death with the same prominence as I hold the way he lived because his death is a tragedy that much like Dr. King, John F. Kennedy, certainly Abraham Lincoln, is one of the most seminal and most devastating murders on American soil. And um, one person I really wanted to talk about today was Yoko Ono. We couldn't fucking get her. She didn't want to come on my Twitch show. Yoko, what are you doing? I know you have other plans today, but, you know, when I can't get Yoko as a general rule, I bring on a good friend of mine who's also the co-host of the Untitled Beatles podcast. And it's a somber day. We'll laugh and have a little bit of fun, but, you know, I'm sad. I'm going to do what I can to make Tony sad, because if I can't make somebody sad, I'm not doing my job as a comedian. <laughs> that's, that's the way it works. Uh, my good friend, Tony Mendoza. Tony, Hi, thank you for, thanks for being here, man. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how to say this day. You don't say like, oh, happy Memorial Day, but I guess you can remember him fondly. That's what we're doing. 
Yeah, it's 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 so hard. I mean, I've been you and I are actually recording insider secrets of the trade. We're recording a podcast of ours uh, after yes. we're done an Entitled Beals podcast, and we're it was going to be an in depth look at McCartney one and McCartney two because the seventieth anniversary or the fiftieth anniversary of McCartney and the thirtieth yeah. of McCartney two. So yeah. we we thought we we'd already recorded 40th. our fortieth. Holy shit, that's right, nineteen eighty. Um, fuck you, Reagan. When I think 1980, I think fuck you, Reagan. I think John Lennon's assassination. There was a clip I played. I, I showed Channel Two News a few minutes ago covering wow. Lennon's death. I just found online, and Walter Jacobson does an editorial about the NRA and about guns. It's just a great really? 1980 fuck you to the NRA, which was kind of cool to see that. Yeah. And they said, when asked for a quote, President-elect Ronald Reagan said. Congress shouldn't change gun laws. So, I mean, and then, of course, Reagan was shot, what, a year later? Reagan yeah. almost died. Hinkley, right. Yeah. Right. Christy Hinkley, who Billy Joel wrote Uptown <laughs> Girl about. <laughs> See, we, we can still have jokes today. But, uh, I mean, you you and I have talked, we've obviously known each other for years. We've known this podcast for about six months now. We know the way the yeah. other one feels. I, I, I didn't get time to do my McCartney 2 homework because I've been just immersing myself in John all day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crushing. I've, I've had moments of breaking down in tears just because as yeah. much as 40 years ago feels like another world, many of our friends weren't even alive when yeah. John Lennon was killed. And yet it's so, the impact has never gone away. How do you, how are you feeling today about all this and the milestone of 40 years he lived 40 years he's been gone? Yeah, that one, you said that on our podcast a week or so ago, and that one kind of blew my mind a little bit that um, it hasn't happened yet, but sometime in February coming up, he will be, he will have been not on this earth longer than he was since being on this planet, you know? So that's strange. That's that. <laughs> and that's just age and all that. So um, well, I'm dealing with it in a way like I like to play some Lennon. I like to I like to go through. I have two books. This is actually part of our uh, Beatles uh, QVC channel. These are going up for sale. No, they're not. <laughs> All right, two ninety nine. We have our promo shot for our podcast, right? <laughs> But the, these are the two books that I really got into when I was um, 14 or so, when I really got into the Beatles. This one, thank you, my friend Matt Sillity. I think his dad, this is the famous the Jan Jan Wenner uh, interviews from 1970, uh, which are great, which have the little... Uh, the picture, but it's it's like he's just profane through this whole thing, and he's just talking... This is that scathing interview he gives where... It's just so great. It's so great. He's just, he's in that moment in 1970 when he's just full of anger and he's going, he's about to put out Plastic Ono Band or if he may already have done so. Anyway, love this book. It's called Lennon Remembers if you can find it. <laughs> I don't know how anything works. <laughs> hey, go to your local bookstore if it hasn't been shut down thanks to the fucking Trump virus. Yeah. And then the, and then his last interviews, the Playboy interviews um, that were done, you know, uh, and he goes through every song and gives what what he remembers. And this is from my my grandmother. This is my grandmother's book, and she gave it to me in in uh, November of eighty nine. 
she said my name with love <laughs> and then her name wow uh but i love these books i i go back to them they're, they're they've always been my uh reference tools you know along with the uh you know of course the mark lewis and book and uh <laughs> give me some truth dvd by the way so 14.99 we only have 10 10 of these <laughs> <laughs> i just i'm just learning we have eight we have just sold two. Oh, games two okay. Well, if you if you run out of that, we got help, and right. of course All we right. got the Beatles anthology. Are we doing show and tell? How about my '83 Rainbow Capital Plastic Ono <laughs> Band? I mean, this is one of the best sounding pressings. Um, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yay! That's the, uh, original Apple. <laughs> that's that's a great one too. Uh, you know, you and I, being of a similar age, grew up concurrently with Lennon's comeback. I mean, you and you and I were both conscious of John Lennon as a working, active artist by 1980, and certainly in our nine and ten year old years when Milk and Honey came out, you know, nobody told me, and the video they made was all over MTV. Like John yeah. Lennon, four years after his death, or three years after his death, was was on the charts. And this album has only grown more and more in my esteem, partially because of the sadness of it. And I mentioned this before, what he was creating. I mean, this double fantasy songs are great, but I feel like you could hear him getting back in the groove on what became Milk and Honey. And yeah. that's what's so fucking devastating. If Bob, I mean, and listen, death can take any, if there's one true truism about COVID, it's a reminder that you never know when it's your time. There were rumors and that terrible Albert Goldman book, which I never read, oh, but I read a right. ton about where it was like, well, John had cancer and he was gaunt and he was going to die and he was beating Yoko. And, you know, I mean, all right, that stuff right. or the vast majority was was called bullshit. That Goldman book full of lies. Yeah. But, you and know, he, he did a bunch of people. That was his deal. Right. That was yeah. his. He was like the New York Post of biographies or whatever, right? Yes, it was. He was the the one who'd sell every. It, it's always the assholes who hate the New York Times who want to wind up on the New York Times bestseller <laughs> list. You notice? It's like Tucker Carlson will rail against the New York Times, but then brag when he makes the bestseller list. It, it's yeah. like Chick-fil-A showing commercials during football <laughs> games on Sundays when they're not <laughs> fucking open. Like, <laughs> you know, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good that's good that's you know, good it's always <laughs> driven uh, me crazy but you know uh, point being there's no guarantees john lennon would still be alive in many respect the uh, the fact that ringo and paul and mick and keith and 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 pete townsend a lot of these guys are still alive from that early rock yeah. and roll era british invasion era is a fucking miracle but when you look at what paul mccartney's doing paul Paul McCartney releases an album every 15 minutes, technically. It's either a reissue or a new album. Oh, the, the new Egypt station with bonus tracks? All right, I'll buy it for the ninth time. Um, I, I got McCartney 3 coming out. Right, McCartney 3 coming out on like 16 different versions of colored vinyl. And as much as we're inundated with Paul, George was a bit more recalcitrant. He didn't, I might have used that word wrong. I don't care. He might have had. Um, you know, he took longer breaks between his albums, five, six years here at a time. But John was just getting he was literally and figuratively starting over. And that's what's always killed me, Tony, is that it's a terrible turn of phrase. But that's what's always made me so sad is that a crazy, deranged fan with easy access to a gun took John Lennon away from the world. Yeah. 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 And I know we don't want to dwell on that, but, you know, that, you know that dude saw him earlier that day. There's a picture of them, those two together. It's Signed really a copy of double fantasy. 
Yeah, it's really creepy. That's a chilling photograph. Um, yeah. Do you have this one? I don't know. It's, it's like an interview, conversations with John and Yoko. I do. A heart play, I think it's called. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. A heart play. Unfinished dialogue. Um, there's Here's another one that you can find in the record store. Do you have this one, TJ? This is the National Lampoon's Radio Dinner. I've never even seen that one before. You can find this. I got this at Reckless. It's uh, a couple bucks. So there's a guy named Tony Hendra, right? Um, of Letterman fame, right? Do you have something? He, he was in Spinal Tap. He plays the um, manager in Spinal Tap. And I don't know if you've ever heard a thing called was it Magical Misery Tour, I think. I, I first heard him play it on CKG in like 89 when they would do the Beatle weekend in August for three days or whatever it was, all Beatles. Around Beatle Fest. Yes. CKG would do that, yeah. And they played a cut off of this Magical Misery Tour, which is Tony Hendra basically doing the Lennon Remembers bit as a song. And he's, you know, he goes into the screaming at the end and it's just curse filled. And they had to, they had to beep out like <laughs> Follops bleeps and blunders style, like cuckoo sounds over every time he says <laughs> fuck and shit and cocksucker and all these things he says in the song. But, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'll maybe I'll drop it into our uh into our show sometime. It's it's one of my favorite favorite Lennon uh parodies, National Lampoons Radio Dinner. Uh, there was a not a parody, but a, a song I didn't discover till just a couple years ago, maybe maybe a decade ago. Uh Elton John wrote a whole song about John Lennon's death called Empty Garden. And really it uh, it's it's one of those weird that's Elton John. And someone else were like, it's the eighties. Let's do coke and make a song nobody will ever remember. <laughs> uh, you can never know what it's like. Just there's something and you're cold as ice. You're gonna taste the love in a simple way. And if you be all right already, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm like, God yeah. bless you. But at any rate, it's it's a, it's a gorgeous song called Empty Garden. The reference of which is the last time Lennon ever played live. And this is like Beatle Holy Grail. I don't think this exists right. anywhere is video of John Lennon Thanksgiving weekend of 74 playing whatever gets you through the night. Lucy in the sky with diamonds, which um, Elton John had a hit with the cover and they closed. Right. They saw her standing there. And the last time John was ever performed live was I get chills talking about this. Was it Madison Square Garden in, in November of 74? Um, in 82, Elton John wrote a, um, I forgot what fucking bad Elton John album it was on. Like, but, uh, he wrote a song called empty garden referring to John Lennon and the lyrics are, Hey Johnny, can't you come out to play in your empty garden? Just kind of really just, it's such a sad and beautiful take from a contemporary and a friend. Bowie yeah. was crushed, not just the Beatles who were crushed when John Lennon died. I played video before the show that I found Tony of Stevie wonder after a concert. I don't know where I think it might've been in Pennsylvania after a concert on December 8th, went back on stage to tell the fans who were still there to break the news that John Lennon was dead. And really? it's, it's Stevie wonder saying, I can't believe I need to do this, but a hero of mine's because Stevie palled with all the Beatles. They met on early tours when Stevie wonder was touring. Um, right, little Stevie, the right? Okay. When it was little Stevie wonder. So when he was the, the harmonica kid. Yeah. Playing oh, fingertips and, and all that. 
fingertips, which much like Ray, uh, Ray Charles, um, baby, what I say was on two sides of a single. Yeah, fingers part one, part one, part one two. and fingers yeah. part two. Which, oh, I, love I think that. I have that. I think I've got that 45. Yeah, man. It's, it's a good a, one. A great 45. And, a little and, trivia on that song that yeah. when Paul Schaefer made his debut on the tonight show as a guest, he came out and he played, he played that song with the tonight show band and he did the solo on a melodica and no one knew Johnny Carson was like, what was that instrument you're playing? Anyway, good was stuff that, <laughs> with Doc Severinsen or the other guy who filled in. What was the other Tommy guy's Newsome. name? Tommy, 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 yeah. Tommy, Tommy <laughs> musical guest, Tommy Newsom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's it it's always been a hard day for me and I've been in New York a couple times on this date. I've had a couple of gigs that have intersected with being there December 8th and even as of a 4 or 5 years ago last time I was there on this day, people are still packed at Strawberry Fields and they're singing Imagine and Give Peace a Chance. It's it always drives me crazy when people are like, "We're going to pay tribute to John. Hey Jude." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, guys. Guys." <laughs> yes, it's a Beatles song. Look, we're going to pay tribute to John. Here's one called Yesterday. Stop it. There's yeah. 9,000 great John Lennon Beatles songs. <laughs> I went on to Beatles Bible today to do some BeatlesBible.com. It's, it's a good source. and uh, But their song of the day was Penny Lane. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you what you're doing there? <laughs> well, John lived in that district, too. He had, like, yeah. like, like Paul knew Strawberry Fields. Um, yeah, look at that. There's Strawberry Field. Now, did you ever go? I know you. I've never been to Liverpool. You've been to Liverpool, and you did those yeah. tours. Did they? I, I I heard that this has probably since been torn down. The actual Strawberry Field in Liverpool. I don't know. I've got my picture in front of it. So it's oh yeah, proof, proof I was so there, there. But that would have been. Yeah. yeah well, oh yeah, I did. Uh, it's amazing being in Liverpool and, uh, you know, again, I use the Beatles in two ways, emotionally and intellectually. They uh, more than two ways. They sustain me. They fulfill me and they break my heart. And by break my heart, I mean, the Beatles have always been a window into me being an emotional person. So I spent most of my Liverpool and London crossing Abbey Road. Most of my tour, they're just in tears tracing <laughs> Yeah. Were were these and, and some some it's that's not all beetle related. There's always catharsis when you're crying over something for other reasons, but yeah, when you're in Liverpool and you're at Strawberry Fields and you see where John grew up, um, uh, Men Love Avenue, and right. and you you breathe the same air. The genius and of the collaboration between John and those three other guys from Liverpool. I can't remember that. I'm terrible with names. John, <laughs> Bernie, Timmy, and Ralph. <laughs> Ralph Castelli, yeah. I think you're talking. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Castelli, all right. Here are the Beatles. Mitch Weissman, Ralph Castelli, Marshall Credge. Dude, arguably the hottest Beatle. But like, you have the version of Beatlemania that's the pared down. That's why yeah. it's on the label pair. Oh, yeah. shit. Now we know because no other record's been on the pair label. Yeah, it's the double disc that's stuffed into one one LP cover. <laughs> There's they they throw two LPs in there. Yeah, pair records. <laughs> and edited down from the two LP original cast album, which is so funny. But um <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's always been hard for for me to really internalize what this day meant for music and what are you able to quantify like a favorite Lennon song? Do you have a favorite with the Beatles and a favorite solo? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely. Well, that's cool. Reading these so comments. Many. Thanks oh, for that's watching, hi, Wendy. Wendy too. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, the uh, my favorite Beatles song since I was fourteen was "Strawberry Fields Forever." Here's a bootleg of the same title that I got at, as you can see, Wax Tracks Records on Lincoln. <laughs> on Lincoln, the record was at the counter because <laughs> 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 they didn't want people stealing it. Um, yeah, "Strawberry Fields Forever." There is something about that song that has just stayed with me, and I actually just was going through some of the odds and ends I have on my, you know, we all have in our record collections on our hard drives and stuff. And there was a, an even earlier version of the demo that I had, I had not heard as much or had forgotten about that. So it's just him on an acoustic guitar, just recorded it somewhere, probably, I guess he was in Spain. So wherever he was staying in Spain, when he was in Almeria, when he was filming that movie, how I won the war. Um, I know Ringo came to visit him there, but uh, when he plays that song on acoustic guitar and he's still figuring the lyrics out um, and, 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 and there's those funny moments too, during the demo when he's, he, he's, he's still learning the song himself. He's finding it and he gets mad at himself and he's just like, ah, you know, he gets frustrated with him hitting the wrong chord or whatever. And I think that's one of the moments for sure that, or one of the things about Lennon that I've just always loved is that he's pretty real. Like he shows you who he is and uh, comes out in his songs. It comes out in, you know, like when he's him and Phil Spector are trying to do backup vocals on Oh Yoko and Phil McDonald can't find the right part of the song to, <laughs> and they start screaming at him. Like Where at temper, him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His temper comes out or like he's recording Imagine and then the film crew starts switching reels and he's like, don't just switch your fucking reels during a take. <laughs> you know, like he gave you and he was and I loved his humor. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Strawberry Fields and then is my favorite Beatles song of his and by far my favorite Beatles song. And I guess that song God from uh, Plastic Ono Band is a. Uh, my favorite That's solo song. I played that to start the show today. This part. Yeah. It's so, and, and the, um, I don't believe in mantra, this whole, he's banging those triplets with such fucking ferocity. Yeah. Yeah. Th and that's him playing piano on that. Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I think was it Billy Preston might have an organ part in there that's real faint, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's basically it's just him, Ringo, and Klaus Foreman on bass. It's such a great song. I mean, the whole that's the whole album, really. Yeah, there's something about that song I loved. Like I, I we mentioned this on our podcast a little bit, but I grew up, I was kind of forced into Catholicism, you know, and uh, I went to Catholic school and probably around age six, first grade, sometime. I just. I don't know. I got a bad vibe about it. I was being treated differently. I got hit with a paddle. Yeah, I was a smart ass. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was a smart ass. Um, but they had it out for me. And I remember, anyway, it, it, yeah, I just, there was something about that system and those people that ran that stupid ass school in the suburbs that I, 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 I when this, when this song, when I heard this song, God, and I was finally able to kind of say, like, ah, this is, this is what it is. Um, that upsets me about this religion that I've since rejected. I, I heard God when I was like 18 after I, you know, was just like, okay, I'm officially done. Like I was forced to go to Catholic school up until I was about 17 and started driving and pretending to go to 
Catholic mass and instead would go to uh, the record store. <laughs> that's, that's why i like you tony <laughs> but yeah so i was still i i knew i was reject I, I didn't know what i was rejecting actually other than like i couldn't put my finger on it like what is wrong with this religion that I, i'm not into and and john lennon kind of clarified it for me in that it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't you know just catholicism it was just kind of this whole idea of i don't know believing in this other thing that you can't control. And this song, God made me say like, Oh, maybe, maybe life is how I see it. And maybe life, maybe I have control of my life or something like that. I don't know. It hit me on a profound level. I feel like therapy. That's uh, this will be a hundred dollars, but I should, that's also (laughs) your experience with religion. (laughs) That's exactly your, your experience with religion. Unfortunately is why you don't like this song. as a Jew, I mean, I fucking love this song. It's okay. I, so I don't hate that song for the record. Like, like let it be okay. You get mad at me when I shit on She's Leaving Home and you're calling Let It Be Okay. It's alright. Not their best. <laughs> I, I prefer From Me to You. I know. <laughs> No, but I mean, if you're going to hear a version of that song, you might as well pull one off of the uh, Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> no, uh, I don't think they do it on that. This is the, the Bee Gees version. The, the Beatles aren't even a working band anymore. The Bee Gees, Sgt. Pepper is what we're Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's on a, such a somber, solemn day. Let's talk the Sgt. Pepper film. Now, Sandy Farina, who later opened up a huge dog food business. <laughs> that's Purina. I'm a genius. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, so those are uh, one of the reasons God is probably my favorite solo John Lennon song. And there's, I mean, p- uh, part of it's in, uh, it sounds like a weird opening to uh plastic Ono band. Are you going to launch into mother? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, uh, there are moments, my favorite, well, let me say my two favorite John Lennon songs. If I had to say would be and one is John with a Paul contribution. One is Day in the Life, yeah. And the and Day in the Life is almost like Sergeant Pepper flip it over Penny Lane. If you really want to get technical, because one's a John song, one's a Paul song, and together they're magic. And even though Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane weren't fused together as a double A sided single, I mean, I, how do you get better than that? And a Day in the Life took what that those two songs were and fused the brilliance of John and Paul into one cohesive element, which yeah. is just why I love Day in the Life so much. But um, the orchestra after Paul's Bridge with George Martin's orchestration leading right back into John's final verse, the final bum, 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 bum. There's like a, almost a harp gliss. And then it's just John with the band singing i read the new is as exhilarating as anything i've ever heard in music and god uh the whole i don't believe in elvis <laughs> he's warming up i don't believe in Zimmerman. this part here i don't believe in beatles and it just stops and then he comes in without accompaniment and goes i just believe in me gets me every time. Yeah, it, it yeah just, man. It just—it's just one of those. It's not just what he's saying. 
It's the conviction to fucking sell it in a way. And we're both artists. I mean, yeah. we listen, we've done the cruise ship circuit. We know art. You met art. He's a real shit bag. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm referring to art Norman to channel five. You, I, you owe me money. Art Norman. <laughs> no, no is idea, he the food critic? I forget which one he is. Buddy, we're all the food critic at one point <laughs> in our life. <laughs> if you know what I mean? I remember that John Lovett's cartoon, the critic. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but there, 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 there is a moment. It stinks. That was the John Lovett <laughs> slogan oh. for that commercial or cartoon. I mean, uh, but there's something about uh, I, I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. In 1970, the year the Beatles were no more, and John was firmly getting his anger out. The primal scream, the Janov stuff we've talked about many times before. That moment of clarity. I think I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. Is unmatched in rock history in its ability to be self-referential, totally beautiful and turn his back on his previous life. I mean, the audacity of singing, I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me after the run they had is astonishing. And it's very, very John because he meant it and he meant all kinds of things. He hated Paul. He loved Paul. He was yeah. mad. At, he was mad at George for not including him in his uh, the the I Me Mind book. And he loved George. So John was multi-layered and complicated and imperfect and flawed. And all those things are what make him so beautiful to me. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, he. He he didn't hide his mistakes or anything like that. Um, yeah, and he was like, yeah, he's very complicated. Yeah, he used to hit women, you know, before Yoko, and he fessed up to that and said, like, said it on in print in interviews, like that was bad, that was awful, and I've learned from that, and I'm never going to do that again. And I'm gonna, you know, he learned, you know, um, he's complicated like that. But I feel that he was always growing and and trying new things and yeah yeah and that is the heartbreaking thing like when you were talking about milk and honey like what could what would have been after that like maybe some more <laughs> you know like 80s crap the 80s were hard for all those you know 60s guys and gals um but i you know but yeah I, I know i say this all the time on our show but like what if rick rubin had gotten his hands on him you know in the 90s like with he, he did with johnny cash and glenn campbell and you know neil diamond your favorite neil diamond here and, in the uh, night <laughs> i don't mind neil diamond it bugged me that he sang a song making fun of people who smoke pot the pot smoker song from his yeah, uh, velvet like, gloves and spit rec record pot, 1967 pot, pot something 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 <laughs> and it's a show tune like i love my show tunes I love my rock. I don't like infused. I do not like the the combo. <laughs> that must be hard with you as a McCartney fan, right? Well, uh, McCartney is the asterisk in the argument because I don't think I haven't dreamed many times since 83 of Pipes of Peace, the musical. <laughs> I light a candle to our love. In love of it. Can't you see it? I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> All around the world, little children being born. <laughs> little kids come out of the stage. 
Oh, you've got yeah, you have this mapped out. It's all it's all fucking. And then a <laughs> creep, a, a a loosely white creep comes out and sings "Say Say Say," and makes a video where he's in the back of a truck, kind of fucking Latoya. I never understood the "Say Say Say" video. It's Paul and Linda, they're together, and Michael right. and Latoya, and they're together. No, the ew. tricky thing is they're <laughs> they're related, right? It's very yeah, ja- Jacko, of course. Was more more complicated than John. <laughs> <laughs> His nickname is Jacko. I mean, like, can we help me? Not Jacko from Shanana, which you talked about before. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Day in the Life probably my favorite John composition, even though it's cheating because it's a, a true John and Paul. But you know, we've talked on the show many times about all the myriad John Lennon hits compilations. The second one ever released is this the John Lennon collection at the time this was on Geffen which only had double fantasy so they had to license a ton of other all the John Lennon classics from Capitol by the way this my band handgun sticker from 1982 I put on in second grade I was as far as I know the only kid at the private Latin school in Chicago who went to school in the 80s uh, as an elementary schooler with a band handguns uh, button on his backpack I was This is how I learned about guns was John Lennon's death. And this is what made me. I didn't know I was a liberal at the time. Sorry, in your parlance, libtard. I didn't know if I was some lib at the time. Uh, Yeah. What are you going to do? Eat kale and and make socialism? What the fuck? I'm going to. But it's uh, it it really John Lennon helped shape my political um, ideology. And he's at the crux of. For somebody who was both overtly political and subconsciously political, because imagine, yeah, uh, the sometimes it, wait, is that an EP or did you just hold the uh, album small? The, oh, it's a CD. <laughs> yeah, like, I have a little, I have a little album. It plays twice as fast. I'm like, oh my god, do you have the special limited 45, 180 uh, grams? CD. Sometime in New York City. I is that the <laughs> is it the reissue or is it the original press? Do you know? Because I know they Yoko played with the reissue in 05 or whatever. Uh, I, I, I want to say this came in those big, uh, jewel, the double jewel case. That was That's just the, original. That's clunky, the original. Yeah. 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 I got that one at, used, but, yeah, uh, I, yeah, he was any, a political dude. Yeah. And even a song like imagine is inherently yeah. political, even though it's not, it's not power to the people. It's not revolution. But it's calling for a revolutionary new way to think. It's a, the great episode of WKRP where they use Imagine in the final act to uh, Mr. Carlson goes up against uh, a, a reverend. By the way, there's more KRP coming up when we record our McCartney <laughs> podcast later. I oh, have great. notes that tie in McCartney one with the oh, WKRP great. in Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a great episode where uh, Mr. Carlson goes up against a reverend who wants to censor the songs in the station. Johnny Fever, played by Howard Hessman, great improviser, groundlings yeah. fame, has Mr. Carlson read this the lyrics to this reverend. And the reverend's reading it going, imagine, uh, well, you can't play songs that say there's no heaven. And Mr. Carlson goes, no, no, no. He's just saying imagine it. And the reverend goes, well, that's blasphemy. And so that's, I mean... And it, right. it, it's it's rooted in real real censorship of the era. I mean, even on our on the good side, Tipper Gore engaged yeah. in that as, as well. Remember the the stickers Parental on like advisory, explicit the, lyrics. Yeah, the, the new Madonna album has a weird sticker on it. Like, 
the, who cares about this stuff? But that's uh, John was yeah. unafraid, and one could argue his lack of fear, which I take nothing away from, is part of the reason he's no longer here with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just very accessible. He would just walk around Central Park. You see it. Um, I forget which film. It might be Imagine, which is a great film. Um, but yeah, he's just walking around Central Park, and there's some dude who's just like, just like a normal New York guy in his like late twenties, early thirties, whatever. He's like, oh my god, Lennon, with his thick New York accent. Just like, I can't believe you're. I'm seeing you, and it's. I love that. That guy is my idol because he goes, I yeah. got all your albums. I got the blue album. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, he's great. He's totally great. Yeah, I do too. Whoever, if you're still out there, kudos, kudos well, to you. Look, look at the guy John let in, and uh, that was recorded on the Imagine documentary. I don't remember his name, but the guy, the drifter, oh, Kirk he Claudio. Kirk Claudio. Yeah, thank you. He invited in for for tea, and I love he corrects him. He goes, "That was a Paul song." Because <laughs> the guy Claudio's like, "Well, yeah, didn't carry you that way. Why did you yeah. get to carry that way a long time?" He goes, "Well, that's Paul." <laughs> yeah, but he speaks for us all. You know, he he he. he Worked that out. He smoothed that out, so it wasn't uh, he wasn't shattering his dream right, right there, <laughs> embarrassingly on his front lawn. I love that Claudio quoted from Abbey Road, and not like I'm. And can you imagine you being like, "Well, but I mean, I put in your lyrics. I mean, you saying he's got the devil in his heart." Like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you said. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I can't, I'm fucked. I can't think of one. I was going to do like a Mr. Kite reference, but I Wait, couldn't get one. When you said now, Junior, behave yourself. Were you talking to me? No, I was covering Larry Williams. <laughs> on Larry Williams Day where they covered like two of, <laughs> two or three of his songs on one night in the studio. Got to get an EP out. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, so, to, yeah, please. Well, you were, yeah, you were talking about his fearlessness. Um, when he was doing that, uh, the bed in stuff and uh, in 69. So he's on, on a sitting on a bed with Yoko and just taking interviews of people. And he brings in, it's in Imagine. They do a whole thing. And he, he has these conversations with that. Um, he was like a cartoonist and he was like all right wing. And he's right holding wing up cartoonist Al Cap. There you go. Al Cap. Shit bag. Right. Uh, but those Al Cap uh, snack fries are really good if you see them at Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, uh, but yeah, like the, he gets he gets into it with them. This conservative again, he's holding up the Two Virgins record, and you know, basically accusing Lennon of being a pornographer or whatever, being Larry Flint or something. This is and, filth. Uh, yeah, it's all that shit. Yeah, and I love that Lennon stands his ground with him. And I forget that he also has, and they're not in the bed, but he also has a contentious interview with um, a, a female reporter as well who challenges him on the the legitimacy of his movement. Is it, Do you really believe in this, or are you just doing this as a show or whatever? I think that might be Maureen Cleave, who he'd is had other, who was a friend of the band, obviously, and to whom John made the Beatles are bigger than Jesus comment. Right, I right. I think that's Maureen Cleave. I didn't. Okay, I didn't know that. I never knew that. Um, I yeah. think that's why she got that access. Was my understanding of that clip? All right, Beetle nerds, chime in and and tell us who's wrong now. 
<laughs> yeah, it's in the Imagine film. I think they're kind of back to back in in the film, and it's early on in the film. Great, great movie. I, it's hard to find. 1988 came out. Great film. Yoko was involved. It's good. It's good. Yeah, that film was. I, I'm I'm going to go on a limb and say it was the same for you, Tony, given our age. But that film was crucial. I think that came out in the spring or summer of 88, but all throughout 88 and 89. And whenever that came out in VHS the following year, I, I, I mean, I lived that movie over and over and over again. Yeah. Frustrating movie in that it's one of the many Beatles documentaries that shows live concert footage using recorded Beatles songs, <laughs> which drove and like, so you've got that. like twist and shout slowed down a, an eighth just so I can <laughs> link up with the rest of you, rattle your jewelry. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. So th that's always bugged me. The comments at the time from film critics and Beatle nerds, I guess, was because it was Yoko sanctioned, it didn't delve deeply enough into like May Pang and the loss. And she's got a brief thing in there, but it didn't get really into controversial Lennon. It was sanitized the way people claim the Beatles anthology was sanitized. Sanitized or not, to have a documentary made. Eight years in the shadow of John Lennon's death. That movie is essential. It is an essential documentary. It's got a cool, weird soundtrack because the first, yeah, uh, it's two two records. The first album is all great John songs, and then the second album is all great John solo songs. And it's got a rehearsal of how it's got the yeah. original time real love was ever heard. So that yeah. Lennon movie and soundtrack have kind of got weirdly. I I feel like they should both be more important and more renowned than they are. Yeah, and while we're on that, um, also the uh, now out of print the uh, Lennon anthology. I just have the the booklet, so it's only on CD. It was four CDs, but it was uh, uh, highly recommended. It's it's basically the uh, the demos and all that stuff from his solo career, and it has a version of the song "Woman," which is a demo that he records on home with an acoustic guitar and like a you know like an early beatbox, like a rhythm box, and yeah, a rhythm box. And it, it is by far one of my favorite um, performances, recordings of of that of of his of his songs. So I'm trying to yeah. say, um, yeah, that that yeah. you and I did a deep dive on our podcast about that Lennon anthology, and I mean, there's so much on it that's great. It's funny with the argument with Phil Spector. It's yeah. poignant with the with the George Martin overdub "Grow Old yeah. with Me." And I don't know if we talked about this in our podcast, but "Grow Old with Me" was a song John was writing that ended up on milk and honey. It was, I don't know if I, I actually don't know if milk and honey was going to be called that when John was alive. I know they were recording songs for the follow-up. I can't speak for certain whether or not they knew in 80 before John died, it'd be called milk and honey. Right. But the song grow old with me was just a demo and the fidelity super low. And on the anthology, the new accepted version that I think is on all the greatest hits albums now is the one with the George Martin overdubs. And it's beautiful because George Martin never worked with John after the Beatles broke up running from the Beatles included running from George Martin, George Harrison didn't. And, uh, uh, I don't think Ringo did. Uh, and John didn't Paul worked with George Martin a ton, the live and let die, uh, soundtrack. And then of course, tug of war and pipes of peace. But it's interesting that one of the weird kind of John Lennon footnotes is, one of his most beautiful songs he never got to complete. Yoko trusted George Martin to flesh out. To me, it's just one of those beautiful things. It's cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I, I get here. emotional about this stuff. I mean, uh, the, the list, I'm sure you've also tried to make John Lennon compilations before of like favorite solo Lennon songs with favorite Beatle Lennon songs. And it's always tricky <laughs> making one of favorite Beatle Lennon songs because same as making like uh, the XM uh, Chris Carter's Breakfast of the Beatles show, which is great. I love Terry Hammer, but that Chris Carter show on XM is just, I think, uh, one of the best. And they had like McCartney Monday yesterday. And I mean, oh, it's, really? a it's a rush hearing great McCartney songs. But then like you hear too many McCartney Beatles songs in a row. And then you want, uh, you know, Benefit of Mr. Kite or you want Tomorrow Never Knows or you want Taxman. You know, it, it's strange hearing just one Beatles songs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we like the Beatles, because. There was some give and take going on there. Yeah. Here you go. Here's a here's a nightmare for you, TJ. That that scene from Magical Mystery Tour with uh, Aunt Mimi and being served uh, what can only be deemed an inordinate amount of spaghetti for what goes on and on and on. That scene's why I've never tried acid. I <laughs> I, I just can't. I, I That's can't John, do it. by the way. It, yes, it, he's like unrecognizable. John playing the crazy waiter serving mounds of spaghetti and what a waste too. I think, I think food Hawks really ought to go after the, the John Lennon uh, <laughs> legacy, but, uh, but before we go, Tony, I mean, other, like just name a handful of John Lennon songs that oh, have meant definitely. something to you or that you've loved. What are just some off the top of your head that you just uh, resonate inside you? Julia, one of my favorites, About his if mom. I, if I fell, um, from hard days night that was to me like his first real ballad and it's still one of my favorite songs ever i'm um, gonna correct you if i fells from the something new album go on <laughs> <laughs> oh okay we can include united artist releases i, I thought we we're just capital <laughs> i love being beetle dick i don't mean to burst your bubble but on something new the extended i'll cry instead <laughs> and then uh Tomorrow Never Knows is still one of my favorite songs. Um, and and then, like, I Want You, She's So Heavy off of Abbey Road. That's, like, his helter-skelter to me. Um, uh, I mean, that's just, those are those are just four of my just favorites from each, from including Strawberry Fields, Woman, and God. Those are, and even things like whatever gets you through the night is fun. Like, if we can have a fun one in there, you know, that would be it. Well, I've got I've got a bunch. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna let you go because we have Justin Kaufman coming up here at four o'clock, who's gonna be hosting pretty fucking great. Um, uh, I'll play as we go one of my favorites, a song that started to mean a lot more to me after my son was born, a song called uh, "Beautiful Boy" of Double Fantasy. And um, uh, Tony, thank you for joining. Uh, we check out the Untitled Beatles podcast with you and me on iTunes. You can get it at Rose Records, Select Carson Perry <laughs> Scott locations, and call your local Ticketron dealer. But thank you for remembering John Lennon. When I knew I was coming on today, I, I knew I desperately wanted you to talk John with me because it's a day to celebrate. It's also a day to be very, very sad that one of the true heroes and icons in the history of songwriting has been gone for 40 years. So thank you, Tony. Thank you, TJ. Be be well, and I'll see you real soon, my man. Thanks. My good friend Tony Mendoza, co-host the Untitled Beatles, the Untitled Beatles podcast. One more song to play for you before we turn it over to Justin. Back tomorrow, right here on PM Chicago for real. 
John Lennon, gone 40 years tonight. This has been PM Chicago for real. I'm TJ Shannon for remembering John Lennon, the great. I'm going to go cry for a little while and surround yourself with Beatles music all day. And now let's cheer the fuck up because coming up in 10 seconds, Justin Kaufman, pretty fucking great. See you tomorrow at three, everybody. Thank you. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.